Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best panels pertaining to RPG design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show! Episode 54, Gathering and Interpreting Playtest Feedback. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Cam Banks, Tim Rodriguez, and Jay Treat. Who's excited to talk about Playtest Feedback? Playtest How many of you want to playtest things, or do you want feedback to playtest? <laughs> It's the second one, right? You all want feedback on your games? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sometimes it's terrible feedback. Do you all have games? Yeah. Hands up who has game. Who is not going to game? <laughs> it's okay. You can get feedback. That's even more valuable than having a game. <laughs> you're, you're the star, the star here. You get to tell every one of these other people where their game has problems. <laughs> and then they'll feel sad. And then they'll be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. How do we want to do this? We'll start by saying who we are and have a bad Yeah. I'm Jay Treat. I'm Jay Treat. Um, I design Cahoots, which is available on iOS right now. Um, Legacy of the Slayer on the Game Crafter. I've got a couple games that I'm showing off this weekend. Hi, my name's Tim Rodriguez. I run Berlin Games. Um, I made a game called Ghost Pirates and a setting for Baby Silver called Omega Zone and an app called Gasco Mobile. I make a lot of weird things. I'm Cam Banks. I do not make app games because I have no idea how to do that. But I do make tabletop uh, RPGs and I also work for Atlas Games and we make games like Bloom and Once Upon a Time. I just recently came off uh, the Kickstarter for Feng Shui 2, the relaunch of the RPG of Action Cinema in Hong Kong, and that had an extensive play this week. Uh, so are you guys more interested in trying to figure out how to get useful feedback from your players, or more interested in how to interpret feedback and use that to make your game better? First yes. one than the other? Yeah. Let's talk about everything. Cool. That would be the gathering part, right? Yeah. So I, I would say one of the first things that you want to do when you're uh, when you're running a playtest is to make it clear to your players, A, that they're here to give you feedback. Like, we hope you have a good time, but I, I need you to tell me what is wrong with my game. I need you to get in there and, and say, you know, this was good, don't, don't touch this, this was bad. So just kind of make it really clear to them that that's what that's what you're here for. You want them to give you feedback. Just setting that at the very beginning is important. Yeah, and note that it won't always work. <laughs> right. Absolutely not. How many of you do you think are already ready with expectations you believe you would like to have set for your games? Like what, what expectations and so forth? Uh, do you have any idea what that is? Yeah. Because it's the, the first thing to write is, well, this is what I expect to get from feedback. Yeah, so, so sometimes 
you're coming in and you, you're just saying, hey, this is the first time I'm testing this. I have no idea how it's going to go. I just need to get your reactions right. But hopefully, after a few tests, you, you, you squared away a few problems, and there are a couple trouble areas. When you're testing those trouble areas, you want to just come out and say it. Just say, hey, uh, most of this game is in pretty good shape. There are these two or three spots that I'm really not sure about. I'd love it if you just took a real critical eye, keep an eye out for these things. Let them know. Just say, this is a this is a problem with my game, or this might be a problem with my game. Um, and just just kind of a getting the playtesters to focus on that thing, and b making it clear that you understand that your game isn't perfect. Just kind of setting that like I know this isn't perfect. Whatever you say isn't going to hurt my feelings, even when it does. Because <laughs> sometimes it will. Um, it's really important, as Jay said, to really focus in on where you want feedback. Like here's this piece that. Maybe you can't identify that anything is actually wrong with it. People love it, but it makes your stomach turn somehow. And it's just a really gut feeling. You're like, uh, not quite, not quite. Um, that's really hard to get past. And actually, one of the first games I designed, um, I still have that about that game, Eat the Birds. It's, it, people love it, kind of across the board. I'm like, uh, I'm not comfortable with this yet. <laughs> That's really hard. Um, I get around that by putting it down and going and working on something else. Let's um, define a couple of things first for folks. I think, do you two use the terms alpha and beta for testing events to yeah, absolutely. know what kind of those things? Maybe explain maybe your terms, because I, I think I have an understanding of what I mean by it, but what do you mean by an alpha test and a beta test? So for me, uh, an alpha test is I've had this game idea, and I've made some cards, and I haven't really done much past maybe playing it by myself, like sort of playing all four people, just to like get the like completely awful, like stupid things that I didn't think about the first time I put these cards together. That's for me, like anything past that, like, okay, I'm actually showing it to people for like the first completely raw time. I've never gotten outside feedback on it. Like that's when I call it kind of alpha. Yeah, I, I would go a little bit further personally and, and say that as long as there are really big questions that I have about the game, if I can't come into the game and say, this is what I expect, it's an alpha for me, and beta is more kind of like, uh, Putting polish on, or you know, these things are all good, but I'm trying this one other different thing. So maybe a uh, show of hands, who, who has a game that they think is currently an alpha? Yeah, who has Inquinosis of Beta to ready to try out things? Okay. Um, for an alpha, though, I think that's going to be a short period because we want to work maybe with some internal people or just be friends or whatever to break things out. Yeah, like I, I think playing like alphas with like a similar group. Or the same group of people over again can be really helpful. So that if you, because if you've got an idea of where it's going, they can kind of track with you on that and kind of help you fit into where you think you want it to be. And then you can start sort of bouncing it off of like other kinds of people. Uh, and having lots of different kinds of people is tangentially like a super important. Yeah, there is a danger to playtesting with your friends. That is that uh, if they're constantly seeing the alphas of your game, they're seeing bad games because they're not good yet. And so they're going to get the impression that you are a bad game designer. You're going to say, hey, I've got this new idea. 
will you help me test it? And like, ah. there's, there's totally a trick for that, though. Make friends with game designers, and then be those have them be the friends. You're like, yeah, I have a bad game too. It's fine. Well, I, wouldn't have I would say um, come back to it later on. Say, here's the game that we finished thanks to your help earlier on, and then can say, oh, I see you're not really out of this. That's very smart. And uh, you know, to, to the point of making friends with designers, like Metatopia is the perfect place. Like you need to figure out who lives near you. And make friends with those people so that you can you can trade playtests with them. That is so invaluable. Call them at their house at three in the morning. <laughs> um, I think the main reason I brought up the the outcome beta is that I think most of our suggestions might be around the sort of beta level, right? Uh, after you've actually got a game you think is ready for people who aren't you to, to try it out. Yeah. Like I think beta is beta is where you start showing it to kind of as many people as possible for like varieties of different kinds. Like varieties of different kinds of gamers. Um, so my day job, I work at a design firm, and one of the things we talk about is user experience and user journeys. And so we kind of have, for for a given project, we'll have like different categories of people. We're designing a digital app for a book website or something, and you know you'll have a person who shops for bestsellers, and like they just read sort of like bestseller fiction. And somebody reads only like lit fic. And these people are different. And they behave differently. And gamers are just like that. Like whether you're playing like role-playing gamers who really want to play story games like me and really don't care about like tactical ninja stuff. Like I'm gonna like certain things in the game and not gonna care about certain other things. And if your game is about tactical ninjas, I'm not gonna be giving you some of the best feedback. It'll be interesting, and there'll be stuff you can take away from it. But I'm not necessarily your core audience. Um, so, but like, it's it's good to sort of have information that I can provide on board, just so that you have a breadth of experience to draw from. Because if you only have like tactical minis players, maybe they won't notice like other glaring errors that like stick out like sore thumbs to other people. And, and it is important to target. Your audience correctly. Legacy of the, of the Slayer is a story game, and I tried playing it with my parents, my family, um, who played D&D with me. But when they play D&D, they're just doing and slash. They're not really interested in the narrative stuff. So this story game, they hated it. But everyone who's ever signed up for it, knowing coming into it, knowing that it's a story game, has really enjoyed it. So, so yeah. Like just because you have a really bad playtest doesn't mean your game is bad. It means that it's bad for that audience. You just you. Um, right, but it also can get like that's that's um, starting to get into like interpreting feedback because it's not not valuable because yeah. just because right. like part of it is knowing your audience. You're like okay, these people only kind of like want this kind of experience out of the game, and I'm throwing something completely out of left field at them. You can take that as oh, it turns out my game sucks after all, and all my friends were lying to me, or you can be like okay. Let me understand this in context. Let me step back from the feedback yeah. and sort of take the information that's important and what that information is is going to be different every single time, which makes it hard. Um, and you can just get a feel for it over time. Or you can ask other people, other game designers, like, what kind of nuggets did you think out of that? Like, here's, here's kind of the, 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 the response that I got. I've heard nuggets is the best word to add to anything now. Uh, yeah, like, you know, two nuggets. 
in point of fact, I went to the, my department at school was where chicken nuggets were. What that's good to They would not play just about it. They, they, <laughs> they, they were a taste test. Um, I think it might be helpful at this stage, Christopher, does anyone who has a question about what we've said so far just say hey? Okay. Well, one of the questions I have, and you touched on it really, really briefly, is when you get, I don't want to say ignore, it's probably a misnomer, but when you do get the feedback and somebody says, oh, this is bad, or this is bad, or this is bad, and you have a sense that they didn't see what you were trying to do, how, so you don't necessarily want to incorporate their recommendations. So how do you turn that around? Into the, the interpreting side of things? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really important piece of interpreting. We'll, we'll come back to that and make sure we do. Okay. Uh, you mentioned you're in your first game, uh, something about the birds? Yeah, Feed the Birds. Feed the Birds, that's right. Uh, game of competitive bird watching. <laughs> and and I, I didn't quite hear you, but I think you said that uh, everyone that was playtesting it really liked it. You still felt it's broken? I feel, well, I don't feel that it's broken. I feel that it's not done, which is different. Like, things in it don't break. But something about it, and I still don't know what it is, makes me uncomfortable about it. I think you're the wrong audience for I'm totally the wrong audience for that. <laughs> <That's a great laughs> so wouldn't it be kind of the, uh, it's almost like the opposite of what we're talking about here is like you personally don't feel like you're, <coughs> with, like you're, you're testing it with a bunch of people that do feel like they're solid in so yeah. about that. So so there's there's kind of two things that can go from there, right? Um, if I'm going to try to sell it to a publisher. Maybe a publisher wants it as is. If that's the case, they decide that it's done. In my case, it's more likely to be a self-published thing, in which case, I have to say it's done. And I'm not ready to say that. It, it makes me feel uncomfortable, and I don't know what that is, and so I still show it. Like I like pulling it out, and people like playing it. Um, but I'm always looking for like that eureka moment um, that fixes whatever it was that I was feeling uncomfortable about. And I don't know what that is. Like It'll show up or it won't, or maybe I'll be like, forget it. Let me just do a short run, and people like it anyway, and it'll sell, and fine. It's possible that all games are not done for the designer. And that instinct is both what causes great games to be great, that their designer wouldn't say, okay, this is good enough. I'm, I'm going to stop looking. But they just kept trying things until they found something even better, as well as games never getting made, because you just keep babying it. Um, ultimately, that's a dub right. call. Yeah, and you know, there's the whole perfect is enemy of the good, and I wouldn't remotely claim that any of my games are perfect. Uh, but like, there was a line where I'm like, okay, yeah, this, and I'm comfortable with it. Um, like I think that like they become they've got to a place where they're a good product, and I'm satisfied. And could they be better? Maybe, probably. I don't think I'm the greatest game designer of all time. Um, that's that man right there. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe I know that we have that. Do you want to talk about maybe the process of about a game that you have that's been done? Actually, I want to ask one more question of the audience, which is like, who's got board games? 
This side of the room. <laughs> I see how this is. Role playing games? No. Damn. I get to mainly. It's like I sold Can't be sitting on the wrong side unless this is like stage. I mean, I'm correct and right in the middle. Well, they know that like, the brain, this side of the brain controls this side of the body. Oh, um, maybe that's how it works. Yeah. Um, my feeling though is I was, I was going to say we should talk about, summarize it quickly, I would think, is the process by which we get patents and one of the games we've done that we complete. Sounds good. And maybe we could do that, um, each of us, just quickly. Like, that's great. And see if they're the same or completely You first. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll use the most recent one, and the French way of thing. I did not write this game, Robin Laws wrote it, which is great because it made me not have to worry about being personally offended by whatever it was that was going wrong with it. So, as a line developer, sometimes you don't always write or create the game, but you're in charge of making go from uh, outline to concept and so forth to being written, having art done and so forth, until so finally it's out the door. So at this point, we are currently in the editing and development stage of the manuscript because we've already got it done. It's gone through three tests. It had an alpha and a beta and we had a gamma for the Kickstarter. The alpha was not actually uh, the game we have now. It was the first edition. So what I did, we had a first edition game. I told everyone to go get the first edition game and play it as if you hadn't done it before. And many of them hadn't. And I said, use the rules in this book. Don't use any source books or anything and run the adventure in the back of the book, because apparently that's the one button people want, right? So they ran the first edition of the game and gave me playtest feedback, so I could see what we needed to change. This first edition of the game was published back in 1995, so it's been around a while, and it was super influential at the time for role-playing games. It has created a number of uh, influential sort of streams out here. There are many mechanics in there that uh, were revolutionary at the time, and now everybody has them. So the challenge for us getting feedback was things like, oh, this reminds me of Exalted. Well, this thing here is like that one thing from another game. And we're like, we know, because those games got it from you. But I get your point. <laughs> uh, so we got that feedback. I compiled a little bit. I gave it to Robert. And I said, here's what everyone wants to change. Here's what everyone's feedback is. Uh, here is where all the faults are. And he was quite astonished, because he thought I was going to give him maybe half a page of notes. You would go through and fix this game, but actually it was 32 pages worth of feedback, which I had condensed down from 110 uh, separate playtest feedback uh, emails. So uh, then we did a beta of this new game, which was fixed and changed and everything else. We got feedback again, this time 180 different uh, email feedback things, I think it was, condensed down to like uh, 40 pages. And the Gamma, which I haven't done a feedback compilation for yet, that was everybody on the Kickstarter, which kind of ended up being some like 2,000 different people. But I didn't get feedback from all the effectiveness. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a three-stage playtest process. The first one was the old game, the second one was the new one, but raw, and the third one was the fixed from the previous one. Um, I expect that now I will go back to Robin and say, here are all these things that are wrong with it. You'll tell me why they're not wrong. <laughs> the, the bulk of the secret for the gamma testing was me finding, uh, actually, like, sort of copy editing mistakes. Uh, why was this never mentioned again? Or you have the wrong term for the wrong thing. These are things that he doesn't have to worry about. I have to worry about as a developer. So, yeah, and hopefully the thing comes out finally and everyone thinks it's great. 
Uh, so for me, um, I guess Ghost Pirates is probably the best uh, example. Um, so Ghost Pirates became a game that I designed uh, with a very specific audience in mind, uh, which was my wife, who is not interested in strategy in board games. So I decided to make a completely tactical game. Um, one where the board changed around and you could sort of go off and come back and like at the beginning of your turn, you're like, okay, so here's what the board is now. I worry about my turn and maybe I'll try and set up things for a little bit later. There's a little bit of like sort of deeper strategy to it, but it's really a very light game that's full of like holding dice at your opponent and pirates fighting each other. Um, a lot of my playtesting for this game was like on my own. And so like the board, as a board game, as a two-player board game, like, okay, like this is pretty easy. I can sort of kind of optimal path like what I want this game to be and sort of figure that part out uh, without too much of a problem. And I can always I can also sort of more or less try and play against my own inclinations and try out sort of oddball strategies and potential mistakes. And you get a lot of like the the math problems worked out, uh, figured out. Like um, you can for for this game, like it was easy to do that on my own. Um, this 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 game kind of developed in like major stages. Like so, like the first major stage playing by myself, I worked out a lot of the numbers to more or less about where they wanted to be. The next thing that I worked on was like a die mechanic, because um, I kind of knew that I wanted to roll fistfuls of dice, and there I had found these pirate dice at uh, the pirate shop in San Francisco, and yeah, yeah, there's pirate stuff. <laughs> um, so but they're like dice with uh, a pirate face on the one, and I'm like, oh, there's totally something clever here, and I just have to figure out what that is, and I went through. Lots of iterations of like, well, if you outnumber your opponent by like six pieces, you get a plus three to your roll, and that became like a whole mess until I figured out, oh, if you just match pairs or get a skull, like that's a hit, done. But that's like a year worth of testing, like <laughs> trying different things, like puzzling it out, trying to like, trying to not do sort of like extraneous arithmetic. Um, or something that's supposed to be a light, quick game, like roll the dice, count, 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 done. Um, so, like that was going on, that was going on, um, and meanwhile, the like the one kind of like awkward thing about it was that the ships didn't move kind of in accordance with each other. There's a little bit of a grid going on with Ghost Pirates, and it was like. I, I kept showing it and kept showing it, and people were like, okay, this is fun. I like this. This is pretty good. I'm like, yeah, there's these weird things that still don't quite work. What happens when this happens? And like, just like unanswered questions. And unanswered questions are a great place to sort of uh, figure out where things are broken. If you know somebody who like can like identify problems with like their favorite strategy game, keep that person on your playtester list because. They will break the crap out of your game, and it's the greatest thing. They'll be like, here's where this is broken. And that's fantastic. It's brilliant. Um, and like, 
there ended up being a really simple fix, which was to define a grid. It's like, oh, that was easy. And I figured out, really, I got a suggestion on how to do that. And then I gave him a copy of the game when it came out, because that basically like flipped the game into like, okay, it's solid, it's playtesting on Everything works except for like these unanswered questions and like awkward point. And that it flipped it from that awkward point into, okay, yes, this now works, I'm satisfied. Um, really, it's all about, for, for board games, especially on your own, showing a lot to as many people as will sit down and pay attention to you. And it's tiresome because you can show it and not get the feedback you need, and show it and not get the feedback you need, and show it and not get the feedback you need. Like, you'll get feedback, but it doesn't have those nuggets that click things into place. And like, those are, those are the really important things to look out for. So all, all of my game successes have come after tearing those games down completely and rebuilding them from scratch multiple times. Uh, with the exception of some of my story games, because uh, they, they can potentially have a, have a self-correcting game. But all of my board and card games, I've built them at least three times completely differently. Uh, basically, every time uh, I, I break it down, what I'm asking is, you know, what, what is the what is the fundamental fun of this game? And what is the fun? What is just kind of getting in the way? And every time I rebuild it, I might I, I might you know use a different theme. Um, I might say, okay, we're going to trade in this negative player interaction to positive player interaction. See what that does to that core thing. Um, and that's all based off of player feedback, saying, okay, the players are really getting into this part of the game, or this part. You know, every time we play the game. You know, the players have fun, and this is the thing they never complain about. That's, that's, the, that's the heart of the game. That's the thing that I want to keep coming back to. And all these other things are just kind of getting in the way. There are all these clever ideas. Clever ideas are the worst thing for a designer, because the designer having fun making the game doesn't help the players that have fun playing the game. Um, so so you, have to, you have to figure out what those things you did just because they were clever made you feel good are, and get rid of them if they're not fun for the players. So, yeah. That's like the uh, the game designer version of Kill the Dollars, right? Yes, yeah. That's a writer's term I like about when you're writing a novel or something like that and you just really like this one character, but it never fits anywhere and no one likes it when they really create a taste and never vanish with nothing. So you just give it a look. And it's something that works. Yeah. Any questions? Uh, before we go into feedback um, interpretation, how do you gather? your feedback in terms of what kind of tools you use to get it. Are you doing it all by email? Do you send me some feedback that way? Or do you do it all face-to-face? For me, uh, most of my stuff is face-to-face. Um, the bulk of it. I'm lucky to have a really good board game playtest group in New York, and my regular role-playing groups are pretty flexible about letting me bounce ideas about role-playing stuff off of them. So I'll do like kind of the bulk of the stuff face to face, and then I'm just basically sitting with like a notepad and paper and just write down all of the feedback. Like I can always go back and be like, nope, that's terrible. Nope, you don't understand. And like, like you do it, you know, they'll understand. They like most of them understand 
that, like, I'm not going to write down everything you say. Like, I'm going to write down the things that I think are really important to my understanding of the game. Uh, when I'm playtesting in public, I write down everything. Absolutely everything. Uh, even if I think it's a, I'm like, never going to use that, but here I am writing it down. Um, because playtesters like that. Um, playtesters, like, playtesters like everybody, like, need to be valued because they are valuable and it's just a decent thing to do. They're doing you a favor. Um, and so you, you show that appreciation by writing down what they said. Um, I, I have written down stuff that I thought was a terrible idea and then a week later I go back and look at my notes and like out of the moment I'm like, there's actually a nugget here. Like, mm -hmm. It's still a terrible idea, but it informs me in an important way. Absolutely. I would have forgotten about it if I didn't write that down. There were two groups of traits in uh, the Smallville game when we first started writing it, and I had uh, worked with Josh Roby on translating this game from the TV show into an RPG, and um, one of them was the attributes and one of them was the skills. You'd think that any RPG should have these things in the game, right? Uh, but also, there were uh, your values, your core values, your character has, those were different stats, your relationships were different stats, we had um, other kinds of traits. But when we went through playtesting, we got this continuous feedback. We don't know why these stats, the attributes and skills are on this sheet. Like, it seems like the most important part of this game is, is, is what you believe and who you are related to. So, we, all of us, I mean, Josh and I were both like, that seems like stupid. That's not going to work. We took that information down. And then um, Amanda Valentine, the editor, and uh, Bobby Olsen, who was another writer of the project, and Tiara, who was the lab, and all three of them women said, yeah, get rid of those. And we said, okay, yes, we'll do that. We'll take, we'll get rid of them and do another playtest round. We did another playtest round, and it's like, this is the best. <laughs> we're like, holy cow, we did that, and we didn't think it was going to make any sense whatsoever, but it did, because we found out that really that was the kind of information we were really looking for, was what was unnecessary of this, uh, of these characters. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at too, right? Um, initially, these things may sound like bad ideas, but you're going to be collecting them anyway. Just collect them because the stuff you should be writing down. What happens later on is going to be a different step, but it's stupid to sort of self-filter them at the time because you may be self-filtering out something that you probably should listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So between getting feedback in person and you know through email or, or other means, obviously, you know, if you think you're done with your beta phase and you think your product is pretty close to being done, you need to get blind blind tests. You have to get it out there where people who barely know you or don't know you at all are reading your rules, teaching themselves the game and playing it and coming back to you. And that's you that's that's always going to come back with feedback that you didn't get first, right? That's super important. But before you get to that phase, the, the in-person feedback is it's really important that you're there watching and listening, not just to what they say, but to how they act. How what what's their facial expression during the game? Are they are they leaning forward or are they leaning back? That that body language is massively important to interpreting their feedback. And, and that, that would lead into where, where I would go with this discussion next, and that is, um, you know, how do you how do you ask questions? So if I say, hey, did you like the game? Everyone is going to say something between, yeah, it was fine, and it was good, regardless of their experience, because of the way that I asked the question. There is no other answer to that. They're not going to be like, that was terrible, unless they're a troll, and they just say that to everyone about everything, right? 
Um, you have to frame the question in a way that they can give you an honest answer that doesn't ask them to judge you, right? Yeah, because I'm not going to like go play Jay's game and be like, no, this game kind of sucks. Because A, that's rude, and B, it doesn't give them useful information, and I'm trying to give you useful information, like, as, as not just a playtester, but, like, I'm also somebody who kind of knows what the process is. Like, so, like, he should ask me questions being like, what did you think of, like, this mechanic here? I'm like, oh, this mechanic I had some, I thought was okay, but I thought it was a little complicated, or I didn't like the way it worked with that. But, you know. So the questions, I think, is a, is a good thing, right? I mean, when, when I send out the, uh, a recent playtest card game for people to do, I included a list of questions I wanted answered by the, uh, the playtesters. And one of the ones was, how long did it take you from the start of playing to when you stopped playing? Like, what was the duration of doing it? Because I really knew how long it took us to do it, but we had no clue if, given blind testing, how long we could figure it out. One. What other questions do you think you would normally ask? And, and what I would follow that up immediately with was, uh, was the game too long, or, or did you feel like the game was an appropriate length? It's actually a really good question because it's all, it's all relative, right? Like, I can play a two-hour game and have a blast, and, and play a 30-minute game and, and be miserable. Um, it's, so what they end up answering is how engaged were they, which is, which is a lot closer to answering, did you like the game in an honest way or not? If they say it felt like it took a long time or it kind of dragged on, then there's probably not enough for them to do. It's probably not engaging them enough. And you know whether you actually make the game duration shorter or not uh, doesn't so much matter as whether you keep the players interested at every step of the game more. If you've got a game that has multiple different kinds of things involved, like uh, in terms of characters to pick or different kinds of groups to play, like if you're playing a kind of card game which person plays a character. Another thing to do is ask which of those characters was the one that won the game to be played and what strategy did the player use to, to do that. Um, the similar thing, you look into what the mechanics of your game are, what, what is it that your game does and find questions about those to see if it's something that's off balance. Like if someone always wins with you know, Joe Dirt uh, in this game, then Joe Dirt's obviously too out of whack with the rest of the characters. So in the same way that you're not going to so in the same way that you're not going to get as honest feedback when you ask questions that, that implicitly have them judging you, was, was my game good, did you have fun, uh, you're also going to get worse feedback when you ask questions that implicitly judge the playtesters. If you say, was the game too hard, very few of them are going to say yes. Because you're effectively saying, are you too dumb for this game? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> right. So instead you want to ask questions like, um, which of these mechanics felt the most fiddly? Or, or what could I have worded better? Um, you know. um, yeah, ready for rules testing. Like, any, any, like anything that's, if you, if you ask people to write down like, what's confusing, like that, that, that's a tricky one, but it actually generally works out okay because you're handing them a piece of paper and walking away. Like, what what here, written as written down, is confusing? Like, I'm asking you for help on my instructions, right? Like, I want my instructions to be clear. Right. But so, like, that's, that's one of the sort of gray area kind of spaces 
where you can where you can say sort of like, is this am, am I writing this well, <laughs> or am I writing this badly? Does my butt look good in chapter three? Right. right. I, I think similarly, you've got that uh, problem of um, you know you don't want to say uh, you just you know you, you don't get the rules, you, you just don't quite grasp it and then take that defensive and even in the questions like, you know, which of these things are you too stupid to understand? Yeah. And so offering yourself up as kind of a little bit of a, a sacrifice in some ways is better because they can at least feel like, oh, I guess he says you wonder, so, you know, know where he's breaking down somewhere. So we'll tell him. Yeah. Where am I totally off? So uh, I'm operating kind of in a story game space, and one of the questions that I really want to know is how long it takes people to feel in control of all of the mechanics while they're playing. But just in asking that, I don't want to put anything judgy, what's a, a good way to suss out that information? Especially, I really want that on the playtest, but I'm not there to easily explain stuff. Is there some kind of... Um Scenario thing that's provided with it, or is it kind of no scenario is provided? All right, so maybe you want to figure out um, a way to ask that based on the timing based of the, on the timing scenario. Thing. Cool. Yeah, I mean the other thing that I might suggest is if you can get a secret facilitator mm -hmm. to just keep an eye on it mm -hmm. and just make a note of when people kind of started cropping. The right. bits and pieces, like that, might be a way to, to get around that. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Because if you're in person, you can see that you can you can watch that moment in people's heads. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, oh, I, I do it this way now, uh, or something like that. You might even say, when did you stop having to look up the rules in the book? Mm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily say you're yeah. stupid. It means that, you know, when did you? When did you? When did you well, yeah, yeah, but the thing is that that's still kind of a judgment, right? Because you know, mastering something can be different for each person. Right, right. But I think, you know, when did you get the basics of this down without having to look them up again? I, I want to repeat that suggestion. When did you feel you were in character is, is a pretty good one because it's more it's more asking about the theme. The characters but they'll, they aren't going to look up a rule book or how this is right? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I, I, now might be the time to come back to your question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could you ask that again? Yeah. So, so a lot of times you get you get feedback, and, uh, and I was guilty of it back when I used to spend time playtesting other folks, where everybody wanted to be a designer, and some of us went and did it. Where you get back the feedback, right? They give you the feedback, and the feedback is this plus five should be a four, or you know something particularly mm -hmm. specific, yeah. or you know they're they're providing a solution when. They haven't told you the problem. And when, when you know when you need to kind of either disregard or redirect. So, so that's extremely common. Uh, it's, it's very, it's it's very normal for, for playtesters to, to come at you with suggestions. And sometimes it's suggestions like change this to this, and sometimes it's like, we're going to be cool if there were dragons. Let's add this to the game. <laughs> um, in all those situations, like, yeah, you want, you want to write down their suggestion because maybe there's something to what they actually suggested. But ultimately, you need to get you need to get to what is it that they're trying to fix? What is the problem that they're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. if, if they're saying this four needs to be a five, then they're trying to say, okay, this is this feels underpowered to me relative to these other things, and you know, you might have better ways to solve that. It might be oh, make make, make this thing less common, make it. You know, have the cause. It may it may just be how you present the thing. It may just be like, okay, you can use this, um, 
but thematically it's going to cost you cool. So you know whatever it is, it might be in the presentation of it. Yeah. Um, and like for for a lot of those things, try it out. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's a crazy idea. Maybe it's not. But if you try it out, you'll have a better idea. And the, the, the continuation on that. Sure. How much of, on the follow? -up. How often do you find it where there's a certain point since they are involved, there they feel an obligation to make a change suggestion? It sometimes comes from the second and third rounds of testing, especially if they've been involved in the first one, which is often why it's good to switch out groups entirely. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I would like I would get feedback from the French retest who recently that was things like um, this guy's so and so is broken because of X. And that's good feedback because he's explained why it didn't work. But I also got things like this game should be you should use fake rules. We're not going to do that, so I can ignore that one. You know, there there are some things you can't just say. You know, that's just giving you your impressions of what you would like it to be, right? which is different from necessarily the game you were trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you can do is like over time you can start. Picking out the play testers that you know give the best feedback and kind of focus on them. And there's there's Lucky Joe who never has a problem with rules because he always rolls sixes for whatever reason. And like like games don't break down in his presence. And so he's just like, this game is perfect. You should just publish it as is. <laughs> um, and you know, like, and that's not a common thing, right? <laughs> Except for when you have Lucky Joe playtesting. And so sometimes a player really doesn't get either the, the game as a whole or a particular mechanic. Like that, that absolutely happens. I, I showed off a trick-taking card game to a group, and one of the guys was a really well-known publisher. He just, at the end of the game, he's like, this game is terrible. You can't, you can't do anything. And everyone else at the table got it, and he did it. Um, and that's frustrating, but... What it comes down to is, like, he's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. There's a problem with the game. It's not that there isn't any strategy because the other the other players got it. I know what it is. I can tell you what it is. But he did, and that that revealed a flaw in the game that I didn't previously understand. You know that how how other parts of the game were kind of concealing the strategy that were that were making it not clear and how that was a negative thing how and also how that kind of shaped the audience towards you know a specific type of player and away from another type of player and that was something that I could that I could you know actually work on yeah you don't want to try and put sort of gotchas in there either and the rules or anything else where they're not going to find out until they've really mastered this just how much it's possible to totally you know uh, min-max this thing or that thing because someone would then if you find it play test and can reveal to you and say this is kind of like super powerful and I and then you yeah. I mean also you can't sort of assume that everyone's gonna understand that secret gotcha somehow through playing it. Because if you come back and go, did you see the secret cool thing you can do? And I know what? Well that means that you didn't maybe make it as visible as you maybe should make it. Right. Yeah, you wanna play this with people who Really drop games, like really, really smart people, and then people who are also really smart and don't drop games. Uh, you want to, like, again, this comes back to just like playtesting with large groups of people because you want all kinds of feedback, both 
right, one of the questions I ask, um, what, if anything, do you think needs changing? Do you think that's a good question? Or is it it's not bad. Uh, I think that being open-ended like that could get you a lot of extra noise in the answers. I think if you ask questions about specific things, like being more specific will get you a lot more information kind of in, around something where you know is a problem. But that's basically like asking me to make a wish list for what your game should be. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I want dice rolls and dragons and cyberpunk ninjas, and your game is about farming, and I'm bored. <laughs> so could you just go ahead and change all of that? So maybe another way around it is looking at if the game is a theme or a genre or some kind of style that you're trying to achieve, but what if the user experience is supposed to be X, right. and they say, I didn't get that user experience because of Y, Z, and, and, and other sort of components. That's maybe another way of saying what would you change. Because you want to give them a limit on that. You, want, you don't want to say just, hey, how else would this work? You want to say, uh, how could this work more like what you're expected to work? Right, yeah. Like this game kind of, like I kind of intend this game to be like Galaxy Thunder. Not exactly, but like have some sort of feel that does that similarity step. Like what here in this game Close that and screw that up. It actually felt like Dominion for some reason. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't ever ask for something quite as broad as that, uh, because players are probably going to offer those things that they feel strongly they'll about. Do that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do that. they'll do that anyhow. Uh, what I would do is I would, if there were certain kind of directions I thought maybe the game could go, and I wasn't sure which way it wanted to go then I might, I might plant those seeds. So I've got this farming game, and we just played it. And I said, well, um, so you guys kind of had fun with, with this harvesting thing. Do you think it would be cool if there was more harvesting? Or if, you know, or if, you know yeah, this, this thing harvesting. from earlier um, synced in with that? Just, just like, if you, if you give out three or four very specific things, then, then instead of opening up their minds and like, dragons would be awesome in this farming game, they might say, okay, yeah, no, that, I don't like that idea, but this harvesting idea has some potential. And, and you know, then they might brainstorm off of that. They might come up with their own idea, but at least it will be coming from that direction that you were actually interested in. We still got a couple minutes if there are more questions. Sure, that's, I, I didn't, more story gaming type thing. Yeah. Uh, so, play tests run a finite amount of time. Story games have the potential to go pretty long. Yeah. Uh, how... What's the right ratio you feel of like managing it to go to this section versus letting them genuinely build that story, which is part of the point of the game? You know, it's weird to just say we're detracting from that because like part of the whole thing is themes that come up. You know? Yeah. So story games are tricky because they do that. Um, if you can kind of again, it's kind of like how do you get specific, right? So if you have like a here's the character creation world setup phase, right? Let's test this. This takes an hour. Great. We do that. And then we have an hour for feedback, okay. right? Done. Like and that's, a, that's a really common play test for role-playing games like, to do. Um, well, one other thing, role-playing is true. Uh, is, is, it's a big deal for role-playing games, but some story games have this element, but you may want to see if there's a way, depending on your timeline, to 
offer an extended flight test um, to some people. Like we needed to test out some new rules for advancement eventually, which we could not get people doing like a couple weekends worth of play. So we said, okay, even another two months. If you're committed to playing every other, you know, day, some people will just play their game over and over again. It was fantastic, but I don't know how they had the free time. Mm-hmm. But that is the kind of rewarding feedback you can get to say, um, you don't have to do this all now. Uh, I will take an extended beta maybe at the end of November and then give you a feedback then. The problem then is that people spend the entire time doing nothing and then in the last weekend try and play a time for it doesn't work. But that's a good thing because there are some things that are time dependent, and if it's about and if you think leveling up works well in this game and you can't tell because you had one shot of it, then I would I would add if time is an important design element to your game, like I'm designing this game to be a two-hour story game, uh, then then in that scenario you want to be building in mechanics that reinforce. Okay, we want the plot to be here at this point. You, you want things that are actively forcing the players or pushing the players yeah. forward in that direction. Absolutely. And if not, if it's just, hey, this is this is a role-playing game, we're just going to play it until we're done, um, and you're in a two-hour convention slot, um, you can you can ask the players before, and you can be like, look, we can either just play naturally, and then at the end, we're, we'll stop 15 minutes early, and everyone can do a, uh, a little denouement, just explain what happened to their character afterward. Players really love that closure. Um, or, you know, if you really want to complete this thing, then I'm going to I'm going to have to push you guys how long. And sometimes you just have to say, okay, that's cool, but we really need to get to the next scene. Um, it's not great, but... Oh, and one last thing. Playtesting does not have to require it to be uh, a perfect session of that game if it wasn't a normal after we finish the game state. Right? You don't have to have a full adventure necessarily to test the game. Oh, yeah. That's 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 a really good thing to actually mention. Playtest playtest until something breaks. Once something breaks, you're like, okay, I can work on that now. And that's a that's a great place to pause because then you don't have to play with broken rule Z for another hour. Yeah, so be willing to abort a game if it's if it's clear that you've gotten as much information from the test as you can. Also be willing to change the game in the middle if you've got a quick fix that might actually keep it going. Yeah. And All right. I think that that's it. Wraps it up for us. Thanks for coming. Thanks.